You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. Sorry. Yeah, a, a, a woohoo at the beginning. Hate. We're trying to get the woohoo out of Clemson. I don't, I don't know if you know that, right? No. You know, what are you talking about? The football team? You don't pay any attention to that. I don't. Okay, we do this woohoo. The, that should never have come in. Oh. Okay. I had no idea. <laughs> Color me stunned. This is, this is Brian. This is Brian coming in from outdoors playing volleyball with my child. And also with bronchitis. And it's George. Coming in from um, (laughs) rewriting other people's code. And with us today... (laughs) Jonathan Rollins. Jonathan Rollins, one of our wonderful deacons and one of the residents of the Mount Residency. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be talking about 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. 13. Today, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to complete the chapter because... Because it bleeds right into the next section, actually. There's a reason for everything. All right. Do you want to start by maybe very briefly catching up where we've been so far, 1 Timothy 1 and 2? Sure. To yeah, we can bleed into 1 Timothy 3? Yeah. I mean, Paul basically has urged Timothy to continue the work he's done, mm-hmm. given him very good motivation for doing it. Um, wants to make sure that the gospel is going to go forward and not be impeded because of what we do. There's going to be enough resistance just based on the message of the gospel. Don't add additional to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has led to our last section in two where he started really dealing with men leading as they're praying and as they're teaching and and in those kind of roles and then how women then are complementary to that. And I think he starts extending that as we get into this chapter yes so one of the things that we talked about last time is how the section on uh men uh and lifting holy hands and all of these kinds of things going into women and their particular adornment Mm -hmm. and yet he begins to give them instructions there towards the end of chapter two um let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness verse 11 I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, and so on and so forth. And then that runs right into 1 Timothy chapter 3. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Any connection that you want to make between that and how he goes into 1 Timothy 3? I think there's definite restatement. I mean, so you're going from... Men lead with, you know, praying and holy hands lifted. Um, women follow suit in this particular way. Yeah. And then he goes right into elders and speaking in a very essentially male only, no matter how we want to kind of avoid it sometimes yeah. in our culture. It's a very male oriented uh, message for elders. Yeah. And then he starts talking deacons and he actually does make the distinction male and female um, kind of offsetting, making it very clear that the, the early part of First Timothy 3 is going to be geared towards men, a plurality of elders, male leadership in the church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just so you know, 
I'm sure everyone knows this, but uh, when Paul originally wrote the letter, there's not there are no chapter uh, headings. There's no, uh, no there's no verses or anything like that. It's just uh, a letter. It's a letter. Yeah. <laughs> and He's, so the next thing, the up, next thought, the next thing up after this yeah. is chapter three, verse one in our Bibles. And it says the saying is trustworthy. He's fond of uh, His second saying one. that. Yep. yep. The saying is trustworthy. Uh, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And so we'll just start there and yep. uh, hear what you brothers have to say about First uh, Timothy chapter three here. Well, Jonathan should definitely be given the opportunity to go first since he's he's <laughs> you know, not here normally. With my, um, so I think. I'll, I might be opening a can of worms, but it's okay. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about the call to the ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that Paul doesn't really put it in those words. He just talks about a noble, it's a noble desire to mm-hmm. desire the office of of an overseer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I would say, an, uh, a godly desire. Um I think when you compare it to Paul's writings in Ephesians, it's a four where he talks about the, it's a gift to the church. Yeah, a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, you recognize that you could be a gift to the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just a couple things to, to right off the bat for me. Uh, if anyone aspires to the office, so we're talking about officers, mm-hmm. officers in the church. Yep. Um, not everybody is an officer in the church, uh, not in this kind of capacity. Sure. We yeah. talk sometimes about in kind of the the Lehman terminology, yeah. Jonathan Lehman joke terminology. About membership like being members, in office. Yes, membership being in office. This is not what Paul's talking about here. Right. He's talking about elders, uh, overseers. We'll maybe talk about that word here in a little bit. Elders, yeah. overseers, pastors, and then deacons and perhaps deaconesses and maybe we'll talk about that as well as we come to it um if anyone aspires and so there is that aspiration aspiration of course we can um have that aspiration for all the wrong reasons right um hopefully not uh but uh yeah hopefully 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 not right and that's why we have a body because the body then has sort of the they're in charge to that point and can say no i think we need to step back and Mm -hmm. Yeah, my question to you, brothers, is again uh, to what to what Jonathan was uh, setting on there first. He desires a noble task. Like, do you think that is uh, not, not just uh, for aspiring pastors or aspiring elders? But do you think that's how congregations view the pastorate? Do you think they typically view the pastorate as a noble task? And if they do or do not view the pastorate as a noble task? Might that have something to do with the health of congregations today? So there's like two, yeah. a, tiered, a tiered question there. I mean, I'd say they, they consider it a noble task. I think they over, maybe potentially overestimate the, 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 the nobility of just one guy mm-hmm. often. I think our church culture, at least in the West, in the U.S., that, that one single pastor, he's held in some super high esteem, almost too much to the mm-hmm. point of it all sits on his shoulders and when anything goes wrong, he's on the chopping block. That kind of mentality, mm-hmm. that's neither healthy for the church nor for the pastor, the elder, the overseer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I think not enough quite situated as a God providing, gifting multiple men within the body for that noble task. I think they actually show a little bit more nobility when they actually treat it as multiple men sharing that responsibility and actually engaging that way. Mm -hmm. They kind of have a better feel for what it really means at that point to be what the noble task actually looks like. Hmm. I don't know that their opinion of the nobility of the office is cause for the health of the congregation. I don't know which came first in that case. But I would say at least in some of the churches that I have seen that those who tend to hold the office at a slightly less noble tend to be a less healthy church Mm -hmm. Um, because you get the ones who view it as a... um, it's a position of authority, which in our culture is bad. Bad. Right. And right. so you're in authority, so you shouldn't be in, because authority is bad, it's evil. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, the office of an overseer is not a good task. You know, sometimes there are people in the church who find it, that think it's their responsibility to make sure the pastor doesn't think too highly yeah, of himself. I suppose right. there is that. Now, there is there is an aspect of it there where a pastor can think too highly of himself. Right. I mean, that's For absolutely sure. a possibility there. Um, and that's poor. It's uh, yeah. unbecoming of, of the pastoral office. Uh, it's also unbecoming, I would say, of a congregation not to treat the pastoral office as if it's something less than it's ignoble right. right is that the word ignoble it is it is okay. it's a good good Very use good. as well yeah. all right he's rubbing off on you i mean i think that <laughs> i think there's an interplay there yeah. right because there when is. they do treat them as everything is is you then they do get puffed up and yeah. then they have to try to oh maybe you need to step back and be a little bit yeah <laughs> well and, I, and that's where i think that we have to make a distinction between the kind of congregation that like worships almost like a, a personality pastor versus yeah. like versus that more godly inclination to honor those who are faithfully mm-hmm. serving them right. in the word of God. Right. Uh, part of, part of it too is in terms of like, if you just ask uh, either the question about congregations and how they view uh, the pastorate and pastoral ministry and it's nobility, uh, biblical nobility is to ask a congregation what does a pastor actually do? Mm-hmm. Do you know what a pastor actually does? Do you know what the noble task is? Yeah. Right? Well, I think, right. I mean, I think those are good questions, but at, at the same time, I think coming to it from an elder perspective, I, I, I don't necessarily, as I read this, think about what the body thinks of it. I think it's a valid thing for the body to think about. Yeah. But I think about it uh, often as, regardless of what the body thinks, uh, Christ kind of defines what the noble task is, and mm-hmm. it is his opinion of that office that I'd really seek at that point. Mm-hmm. So not 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 a criticism. Certainly not trying to. You know, I'm scorned. I know. Yeah. No. I, but but yeah, I think that it's important that as we do take up a noble task like that, that we have Christ's perspective on that noble task. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just thinking in terms of like when you when uh, maybe you have a, like a pastor search committee or something like that. Yeah. There was a time about 400 years ago when I think I believe it was a congregation in Boston. They were trying to get John Owen. I think it was John Owen to come over and be their pastor. Okay. And the letter that they sent to John Owen was. You're going to come here and you're going to find a people who are unworthy of your pastoral acumen and ability. Interesting. You're going to find a, a body of sinners who need Christ. And so they were kind of lowering the bar on themselves. Right. Right. 
and they had a high esteem of what the pastoral office was. And I think a lot of times, again, when we go through like, when we're looking for pastors and we're thinking about what actually is the noble task, right? We're looking for all the wrong things because we don't right. know what the biblical right things are. Yeah. It's the classic, like, we would probably reject Paul. We would probably <laughs> reject Peter. We would probably Jesus. reject Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, we look for the wrong things. Which we frequently. see in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. We see that in the Bible. Uh, one word here, uh, although, you know, it can come up as several words in English. Yeah. But but overseer. Uh, episcopos. Yeah. It, it kind of gets at the noble task. Mm-hmm. It gets at the office. So when you hear overseer, what do you, one of the first things that come to, to mind for you? Uh, watchfulness. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think a couple of good examples. I mean, you have Ezekiel being called a, a watchman. I think mm-hmm. that, that kind of sits right there. Um, yeah. In, in how he's teaching and illuminating and, and mm-hmm. being the eyes and ears for... He's in the tower. Yep. He's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's very... It's not so much pastoral in the way that we often think pastor and sheep, yeah. but I think overseer has way more of that idea of shepherding than does, say, um, when we talk... Um, uh, gosh, I'm going to go draw a blank. Uh, a, a presbyter, you know, it's basically yeah. an elder. Elder. Same office, but yeah. it doesn't really talk in the shepherding terms. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think the overseer has more of that implication of, you know, watching over God's family, God's people. Elder is older. Older. Yeah, spiritual maturity at the very least. Right. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think I think overseer is your, your giving oversight. Right. To the household of God, as uh-huh. we're going to see a little bit later in the text. Isn't it in Hebrews where he talks about obey those who watch over your souls? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It is. It is. Yeah. Hebrews 13, 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one to go to as well. Yeah. Those who are giving, you know, watch, providing watch over your souls as those who are going to give an account to God. Right. Right. So it is there what's wonderful about that passage is it is not just that they are overseeing a people but that they are under the oversight of god <laughs> and so you have both of those things yeah, again yeah. it's the noble task yeah, again you do yeah. you do yeah okay so uh one thing probably we um need to make clear uh especially in our culture again i don't know if it was any different in any culture that's ever been uh, since these words have been put down. But uh, again, the office of overseer is not set aside for men, period. Right. That's not what we're arguing. What, what we're saying is is that it is set aside for qualified men. That's different. It is different. You, you're, you're not qualified to be an officer in the church, an elder in this case, or an overseer, just because of your gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more than that, and that's it what is. we're getting into now, is the qualifications of an overseer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And before we move I mean, before we move on from verse this first verse actually even. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess we're on good to thing two. we're only going through verse thirteen. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but he does I mean we kind of reinforced it in the or we, we talked about it in the past episode, but in this I mean, it's worth talking about the fact that this is not just Paul's instructions for Ephesus for Timothy in this particular right. church. And there's a couple places where he makes that clear, and I think part of it is the, the you know the uh, if anyone aspires, sort of kind of leans and pushes towards this idea that this is continuing, this is beneficial for the church throughout the church age, and not just for Timothy's own application in this one church. Yes, That's and it. frankly, 
there are all kinds of people again that aspire mm-hmm. for the office of overseer, but they aspire to that ultimately. Maybe it's for power, control, ease, whatever it is, right? Um, to make a difference in the world. Uh, but but again, um, what we're going to talk through here, I mean, just as he, he starts off here in verse 2, uh, is he's going to double down on the fact that, no, an overseer in the church should be a man who is qualified. In, in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah. So now he gets into it. Verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be. Mm-hmm. Okay. We like those those musts. Yep. Uh, must be. And now we all get convicted of our sins. Right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? We, we all leave the room feeling disqualified <laughs> from, <laughs> from elder ministry. Okay. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do you want to go through all of them, or do you want to take them like one at a time, and then uh, maybe we should just do all of them because okay. they they interplay a little bit. Okay. And I, I think yeah. Okay. So above reproach, mm-hmm. the husband of okay. one wife, one woman, man, hotly contested. Yes. Yep. Sober-minded, mm-hmm. self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. Now here's a distinguishing one: able to teach. Mm-hmm. That is the distinguishing one it, from the diaconal In multiple offices. ways. Yeah. Because not only the diaconal office, but also members, we can talk about the distinctions here going on. Yep. But Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. Yeah. So, so positive, negative, and then some almost application points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So above reproach. Yeah. He also is going to use above reproach, a similar at least word when he's talking about the deacons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they shouldn't have clear failures that are in play. Above reproach means sinless? Not sinless, but there, there's no outstanding things that are blameworthy that are going to cause disrespect. It goes very much into that third element of sort of the application section he gets into where he's talking, you know, they're not going to have something that is. Uh, <coughs> Sorry. Well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace. Um, not only he falls into disgrace, but the church falls into disgrace as he does. So I think that, that above reproach is there's not, you know, outstanding and, and specifically character issues mm-hmm. um, that are already being, you know, pointed at and, and acknowledged and known that are unrepented of, they're undealt with. Um, right. He should be quick to repent. Definitely. Above approach does not mean sinless. It right. means that he, but it does mean that he is quick to repent mm-hmm. and uh, to to make amends, like true biblical amends. Uh, so, so there's not any outstanding, outstanding, um, something that is serious and going to bring you know disgrace. You know, there, there's some opportunity there where a church will have yeah. to just if as as a church brings a man forward for yeah. this, they're going to have to consider you know that if you know. It has their past and has the way it has led into the future. Does it 
speak in a way that would suggest, yeah, this is going to bring ill repute on the name of Christ. Yeah. I think sometimes, I mean, you know, there's a, ten, can, there's a temptation to do this when you hear a buff approach. You immediately want to say, well, that does not mean yeah. sinless. Right. But it does mean above above approach you, approach. if you have somebody who if you have somebody <laughs> who does, his neighbors yeah, are constantly right. like you know that guy is rude he's disrespectful yeah. he acts right. like this if that's if there's yeah. these character issues it's like well you know he may be perfectly well behaved in the yeah. church and may be a great teacher <clears throat> lively funny you know interlocutor yeah. whatever but if there's just these character flaws that make you go, mm, I don't, I don't know. It's it's worth serious consideration. Yeah. Okay, Jonathan, do you have anything there on above approach? Was my first thought was a, a godly life. Yeah, godliness, striving for godliness, exemplary. I would say yeah. above approach, exemplary, godliness. Yeah. All right, husband of one life. You mentioned uh, one woman, man. I mean, it's it's yeah. definitely so. I mean. There's a ton, there's obviously a, a ton of, of different views on what this is trying to mean. You can find viewpoints that range from a guy has got to be married to, you know, it doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> so uh, you get all kinds of things. But I think, you know, faithfulness ultimately, I think, is where it falls out. But I think also Paul is trying to actually kind of push back. Um, through this um, on his opponents. The opponents that Timothy is dealing with have basically already said, you shouldn't even get married. Right. You know, it's more, it's better spiritually to have this ascetic experience where you don't get married. And Paul's like, no, I mean, this is perfectly, this is a good qualification to have um, as you then you know, seek the office, this noble task is to actually have been married and to live faithfully with your wife As an example of Christ to his bride. Yeah. Or on the other hand, you have someone who has multiple wives. I mean, like, yeah, polygamous relationships as well. Right. Yeah. So repent of all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, be, like you said, a a husband who is devoted to his wife. Uh, Do you you take a position on the have to be a husband to be an elder? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so either. Yeah. I don't think that's what Paul's getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, from that perspective, I think he's just getting at a... A faithfulness, kind yeah. of a faithful to the wife that you have, yeah, yeah, or if right. will have, or if you're not married, had, yeah, in yeah. case of a widower, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, also, I mean, you know, I, this often comes up, especially at, around the time somebody is looking for an elder. You know, have they been divorced in the past? Yeah, um, whether or not that that was by their doing, by infidelity, by some other feature, and I, I don't think you know. I, I think Paul is again expecting faithfulness in the present. Yeah. Um, now, certainly, if there's divorce sitting in the past yeah. that was not dealt with appropriately and has right. not been handled, there's going to be something. But just because somebody has been divorced is not going to be necessarily. A, I don't think he's saying you can't have been divorced. You, you can't be on your second in your serial. wife having kind of thing it's not not an instant disqualification but it's worth asking it is worth question absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah okay Uh, maybe lump these three together here sober minded self controlled respectable Mm -hmm. any thoughts on these yeah I I mean somebody you want in an elder is not going to be somebody who's given to you know flights of fancy run off down a path dragging people behind him 
only to find out three hours later, you know, maybe this isn't the best idea. So you want somebody who's going to be measured. They're going to be, they're going to be patient. They're going to be trusting God and not running off on their own without, you know, having considered. Uh, you want somebody who's going to work well with the rest of the body of elders. Yeah. Um, and so there's this element of being able to work together with them. Yeah. We haven't quite gotten to it, I guess, but you know, it, this gets into in the negative attributes where you're talking not quarrelsome. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of balanced with each other. This, this, you know, uh, respectable, self-controlled, sober-minded as the opposite to this quarrelsome and argumentative. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. Yeah, they they are, <clears throat> uh, especially on like sober minded. I mean, the opposite of sobriety is drunkenness, right? Yeah. So just just people who uh, men who are uh, not easily uh, smitten with the world, uh, yeah. smitten with uh, opinions, um, contrary views to what God has revealed in His Word. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think men who are going to be steady yeah. and steadfast upon the rock of God's word. Yeah. I mean, again, that's what Paul has really been pushing towards is this yeah. this faith that endures and actually mm-hmm. bears itself forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I read Sober Mind, I always think of someone who understands the somberness of his task, mm-hmm. really playing off of that noble office. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's not He's serious play, about it. Yeah. He's not going to play with it. It's not something yeah. he's doing just for the glory. He understands yeah. the severity of his task and his position in his office. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that historically that's that has been the thing is uh, that, that men who have undertaken the office uh, have viewed it very seriously. Mm-hmm. They've taken the task that they've been assigned by God over the household of God to be a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they've been respectable. Uh, but in the last 50 years or so, maybe longer than that, I don't know. I'm probably shortchanging some things. But but I think there are definitely instances in which we can look at some yeah. pastors, leaders, ministers of the word, and we go, that's not respectable. Yeah. Not very, well, how, they're, how they're teaching, how they're preaching, how they're behaving, how they're acting, how they're leading. It's not respectable, you know. Now, the congregations may love it. But that doesn't make it respectable, right. according to the word of God. Yeah, right. That's the touchstone yeah. always on all of it. Okay, hospitable. Yeah, I mean, I think Paul has in mind a particular thing. We can extend it a little bit, but I think he's really talking about a, a willingness to to house itinerant, moving vocational missionaries. So I think he does have in mind these people who are going from church to church or who are being sent out on mission. Um, housing them and caring for them um, in that interim, um, and I think that's his primary thing. I, I, but but that I, d- I don't mean that to restrict <coughs> or say, hey, you shouldn't be being hospitable to people inside. I'm just saying I, I think that's where, where he's going with the hospitable. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's natural for us to also extend that into you know it, a pastor who isn't welcoming. Um, inviting people into his home is Welcome probably as Christ not to you. exactly. He is not yeah. actually probably fulfilling his mission. As That's all, yeah. as given to all aspiration, yeah. all Christians. Ex- welcome exactly. one another as Christ welcome you. Again, we're talking about elder qualifications. There'd be exemplary in those things. So, right. so if you're if your normal Christian is called to hospitality to to a welcoming spirit, mm-hmm. well, 
than the elder should be yes. exemplary in that warmth of spirit. Agreed. That welcoming spirit. He's not just like isolating himself from the people. He's amongst the people. He's a shepherd among sheep. Right. Yeah. And he's a sheep. And he's that a needs sheep. to be amongst the other sheep. He needs to be. And be shepherded by them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So able to teach. Able to teach. That's the one that, that really does separate this office. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah. I mean, up to this point, it's really been... I mean, very, very little is actually a skill. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really talking character. Uh, and, and not a character that differentiates even from the body. Yeah. These are just exemplary. He's a mm-hmm. exemplary model of these things that all yeah. Christians are supposed to be looking like as they get closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one does stand out as yeah. the thing that sets apart an elder is his ability and desire and, and skill at teaching. Rightly divide the, the word, word of, of truth. God. Yeah. yeah, the word of truth. Mm-hmm. Don't you have like a blog or don't we have a blog? We do. That we never Our churches. <laughs> we never I've been thinking write. about it. I, mean, I thought of even posting some we of these as we do it. it, look at the book on that. Yeah. We, we do when we yeah. have to, when we're trying to, you know, there you go. when we're trying to drown the body <laughs> in, in doctrine. There, we right. do use it a bit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Anything else? Able to teach? I just think able to teach implies a grasp and an understanding and a knowledge of the word. Yeah. Yeah. That I think, unfortunately, we don't see a lot of pastors today. Hmm. Um, but you, know, you want them to be able to actually know what they're teaching. Yeah. So. I think it's important that it's not just, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that their primary thing is going to be preaching. preaching right. it, I mean, it preach the bleh. Teaching can come out in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Able to teach could be one-on-one counseling. It could be you know smaller group studies. It could be just regularly teaching small groups or, or mm-hmm. working with particular age or whatever style groups. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that preaching. And just because you're not the main preacher doesn't mean you are not able to teach. Right. Well, and then there's ultimately also the aim Right, I think we, we kind of leave that part off on, on this ability to teach. You want to be able to teach as Christ taught. You want to uh-huh. be able to speak the truth in love. You go to First Corinthians, Paul's going to say that you can have all the knowledge in the world. Yeah. Right. You can have knowledge of all mysteries of all prophecies, but if you have not love, yeah. you have nothing. It's clinging. Nothing. You're yeah, just a bang, 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 and it's nothing. And and so there's something here in terms of. It's not just the ability to teach. It is the ability to teach pastorally, right? Yeah. Shepherd. To shepherd people with the word of God. And I think that also brings in, again, now we're adding qualifications to a qualification, <laughs> but it also kind of brings in issues of like humility. Humility oh, before the text, right? You, you are, your ability to teach is related directly to the humility of your heart before the word of God. Yeah. You're under the word of God. You're not standing over the word of God, right? You're not in standing in judgment of the word of God. And you're not just you're not just coming to teach the word of God so that the people out there will be taught. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you're 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 teaching it to yourself and asking the Lord above all to teach you. Yeah. Right? I think that's the big thing is like we you go to John 6, Jesus says you know, they're, they're all going to be taught by God, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's really what we need. And, and John Owen, again, he's a, he's a guy who talks about, you know, like a, a mother bird, you know, she eats the stuff, eats the worm. Right. And then 
and then she vomits it back out. So, right. to, there are other words for that. You can... I, I don't know. She feeds the baby birds with what she has tasted herself. And the pastor, the, 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 the teacher, the preacher of the Word of God, I think, also is wanting to make sure that what they're, they're dishing out for the congregation is not poisonous. Right, you're wanting to ingest it yourself, asking the Lord to put it in your heart, so then it comes out of your heart and through your lips to their hearts as well. Yeah. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. I think it connects with the sober-minded a bit. I mean, it's a it's a healthy estimation of ourselves as measured by Scripture. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. I mean, again, you talk about the sobriety of the task. Yeah. There was a time not too long ago when our music stand was called the Sacred Desk. <laughs> Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was called. The yeah. sacred desk. The pulpit. Yeah. That's the sacred desk. Now it's just a music stand. I so don't use the music stand. You so don't you, you use you use the sacred table. The sacred <laughs> the sacred bar stool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just bringing it all back to understanding what this is. This is not a performance. Right. Right? This is a declaration of the word of God to the people of God under the uh, prayerfully under the influence of the spirit of God uh, to the glory of Christ. So able to teach. Okay. That's, I mean, before you go on, this is tied directly to, again, where we've been residency reading, you Mm -hmm. know, the the mission of the church. But I mean, ultimately having the elder in authority able to teach is directly related to the mission of the church as one who is giving the message of the gospel out and then teaching disciples to obey all that Jesus commanded. Mm-hmm. So ultimately it's, it's heavy teaching. That's, that's what it is. We're teaching both those who don't know Christ and those yeah. who do know Christ, how to best approach Christ. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here's some of the knots, hmm. not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things very quickly that stand out there because I do want to get to deacons while we have a deacon with while us. While we have a deacon with us. Yeah. That's right. So I think the first one, the not of drunkard, yeah. uh, my first thought is I to, back to Ephesians where Paul contrasts being drunk with drunk and filled with spirit. Yeah. So if you're not drunk, filled with the spirit. Not controlled by something else, controlled by the spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not quarrelsome, working with the other elders. Not violent. Not violent. They're, they're, they're bullies. Were there? Were there? Like, I'm, I'm not sure that he means. Are there pastors in Ephesus going around like. I'm not sure he. I'm not moms. sure he means punching. <laughs> I, but I do think he is yeah. talking about a a spirit of bullying, which sure. doesn't itself have to be quarrelsome, mm-hmm. but just this domineering spirit is yeah. is out of place for an elder. Well, and and maybe even. This, above the rest of it, is where we get closest to the heart of the chief shepherd mm. who said, I am gentle yeah. and lowly in heart, yeah. not violent. So we've just gotten done with John 19, mm-hmm. and he's been crucified. You know, He's gone through the trials and all the mm-hmm. stuff, and he hasn't harmed uh, a single hair on anybody's head. I mean, he's even <laughs> stepped out when it isn't suitable for yeah. the moment to like care for mother, care for mm-hmm. disciple, yeah. care for sir. He's yeah. Yeah. Right. So when he says to an overseer is not violent, but gentle, yeah. he's really kind of saying like me, you got to be like Jesus. Yeah. Your heart is to be like the heart of Christ. Yeah. Be gentle, not so. violent. 
Uh, every now and again, you can overturn a table. Although it seems like maybe he did that in some unviolent way because the Roman guards didn't do anything with him. They didn't think it was that big of a scene. Anyway, that's another subject. So, uh, not quarrelsome. You mentioned. Yep. Right. Um, I mean, we're we're supposed to. That's hard. Uh, it is hard because we're supposed <laughs> yeah. to defend the truth yeah. and be able to resist heresy and those who mm-hmm. would bring heresy in. Um, yeah. But we're not necessarily supposed to be known as contentious people. Yeah. Um, we're not. I mean, maybe we're not supposed to play devil's advocate as much as we might like, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it is suited for. Um, or Christ. Our traffic. study shouldn't. Our study shouldn't make us. Uh, yeah so full of ourselves that we have to engage in every conflict as a, a personal vendetta. Ah, yeah, go ahead. So you, you, you want to defend the truth right? without stirring up maybe that conversation mm-hmm. to give you the opportunity to defend the truth. Yeah. You don't want to go to that guy that you know differs from you on this topic and start prodding the angry goat. Right, that's what I was going to say. You don't, you don't want to be a, a guy who's always kind of like inciting egging mm-hmm. egging people on and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and just kind of jabbing them yeah but, there's yeah. a time and a place to teach and a time and a place to deal with those issues but yeah but there is today to for it. it seems today that that's what like you're cool mm-hmm. pastorally if you quarrel yeah <laughs> like you, if you again I unfortunately would spend too much time on Twitter and stuff like that, but it's almost like you've got to, like, these guys are, like, hitting every single thing. And it's just like, you're just trying to incite a riot, yeah. you know, what, incite what, what a push today? Right, yeah, right. Hot take, hot take. That's, I mean, you know, and that's kind of the thing. And and it goes back a little bit to what we talked about in First Timothy 2 about where he says, peaceable and quiet, alive, dignified in every yeah. way. Yeah. You're to be above that. Yeah, you, I mean, you yeah. you have you have a certain amount of teaching space that you can work with. Like you have a, a local yeah. body that you can speak into. You yeah. get much beyond that, and you start dropping off your ability to speak with any authority into their lives. Yeah. And yeah, I think our internet-based lives make it very very hard for us. Sometimes we think that we have way more connectivity than we do, yeah. and we can, as Christians, sit out there and shame other Christians because they're not doing what we think they should do, rather than actually offering them hope, <laughs> offering yeah. them you know opportunity mm-hmm. to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now the next thing in verse four gives kind of like okay, well, okay. Here's a, here's kind of a case study for all of you aspiring overseers. <coughs> your uh-huh. home, sorry, yeah. <laughs> your, your your home, and um, you know again this kind of brings in some of those elements, right? Able to teach, yep. Not violent, but gentle. Uh, <laughs> uh, like not quarrelsome. Oh, we skipped yeah. lover of money. Sorry, we skipped not a lover of money. Not a lover of money. Not a lover of money. Do you want to hit on that real quick before we get into the manage your household? Love not. not love uh, I'm just baffled that anybody in all of history could think that the pastoral role was the place where you. But unfortunately, there there has been time where the pastoral yeah. office was this kind of inroad to the easy life. And it's just baffling. Yeah, you cannot serve God and money. Yeah, you can't do it. One's going to be a god; the other one's going to die to you. And so, but now he's going to go on to say, it's in here, right? It's in, it's in this letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to go on to say, you should honor them. Yeah. You, you, 
rule elders that that do well and teach well and rule well and all these kinds of things. Yep. Like you should honor them in that way. Uh, but yeah, right. Uh, but but here he's saying, but he cannot be a lover of money. Right. You know, like he, his heart has to be devoted to Jesus above all else. Yeah. And it cannot be pulled off of that by money yeah. and all the things that money can buy. Yeah. The noble task is not really situated in, in a place where you can just like, this is what I'm doing right now until I can do something better. You yeah. know, it, it just doesn't work that way. Contentment. Yeah. Brothers, we are not professionals. Right. It's an old book by John Piper. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's maybe some something to that effect where it's like, you, you should not come into the pastorate because that's a profession. Right. It's it's more than that. Right? It's the noble task. And the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says elsewhere, is the one who makes elders. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, so we want to be mindful of that. Okay. Into the, into the home now. He must manage uh, his own household well with all dignity. Mm-hmm. Keeping his children submissive. For someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will they care for God's church? So he has to have kids. Okay. Just kidding. I don't think so. But. <laughs> right. I will. It goes back to the husband of it, one it wife. It does. The husband of one yeah. wife. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anything here? I Anything think Paul just called me a child, but... Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> well, uh, so he views the overseer mm-hmm. as a managerial mm-hmm. office, right? Manager household. Yeah. He also views it as a fatherly mm-hmm. office. So mm-hmm. kick around stuff with Catholics and whatnot, but like it's a fatherly role, and um, but this is it's, this is probably one of the more convicting ones, honestly. Yeah. Just just for me, this is difficult. Yeah, you get you get into your own private space, and uh, it's you and Jesus, <laughs> and your wife, and your kids, and even though no one else in the church can see, they can see. Right, mm-hmm. and there's the real you in mm-hmm. that in that home. There's there's you, <laughs> yeah. And he's saying that these certain things must must um, characterize the overseer, managing the household well with all dignity. So again, we're not goading mm-hmm. our children. Um, probably not, uh, you know. Uh, What's it stirring up just anger and strife and yeah all this kind of thing yeah treating kids all the same because well it worked with one I'll do it with the other mm-hmm. that sort of thing yeah so again he's understanding that God's church is a God's church but it's also his family mm-hmm. it's his family it's his mm-hmm. kids yeah. and uh, he's set overseers over his family to be representative fathers of the heavenly father in the home. And again, uh, if you want to begin to work on that and grow in that, then you take your own household seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So convicting word there. Uh, may the Lord help us. Uh, anything, anything else that you want to get, get out there in verses four and five before we move on? Just from a body perspective. Yeah. Um, I don't know who I was reading, but somebody was referring to, fathers and stuff like this and said you know a lot of times our kids grow up with a vision of god the father that is based on their earthly father and so sometimes if you have a hard time sometimes if you feel like god is you know waiting to strike you for every little deed that you did maybe you had a 
yeah a little more overbearing of a father and so just being careful not to be yeah. authoritarian and quick to discipline and being willing to show mercy and, and grace and but also not just dealing with physical sides of it but dealing with the the heart yes yeah. the men are reading but being willing to actually reach in and deal with your kids hearts because that's where the center of true change is going to be mm-hmm. yeah we didn't invite you in to reprove us that's I was talking to me. <laughs> <Just playing. laughs> I was talking to me. That's good, brother. Wow. Thank you so much. He must not be a recent convert. He must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Yeah. So the devil just, you know, if you didn't see that, right? I was actually making an expression poking. towards the microphone. Uh, poking like, I got you. I got you in this one. And condemning you. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you have a, a recent convert, somebody who, you know, jumps into it, they get puffed up because, well, you know, I, I'm just, I'm special. I, yeah. you know, better than you. Better, yeah, better than you. Um, I know what I'm doing. Um, all you other people who came before me, maybe not quite as good. If you'd only followed my example earlier, mm-hmm. we would have been better off. You know, this is sort of a pride in myself. Um, and Satan can work with that. Well, it's like in verse 10, when we get into the actual diaconal section, it says, let the deacons also be tested first and, and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Right. right? So it's how much more than for, mm-hmm. for the elder office, right? It's not like, all right, well, listen, this guy's really gifted. He just got saved like six months ago. Yeah. But he's really gifted. So let's just throw him into the elder office. Yeah. You know, or something like that. Um. It is, there is something to, he needs to be a seasoned veteran of, of the word of God, of Christ, of the gospel, of the doctrines yeah. of, of, of God and all these kinds of things, right? But I also think we need to be careful not to put a hard and fast timeline on it. Sure. So yeah. for other cultures where Christianity is not as known, hmm. I think you could make a case for someone who's only been saved for six months, 12 months that... Perhaps he has proved himself to be potentially overqualified. Whereas here, where cultural Christianity is very common, and it's very easy to portray yourself publicly one way and privately another, you really want to be careful with someone and make sure that they truly understand doctrine and understand the office. Yeah. So I just, it's hard to really put a, a recent convert. Well, what is a recent convert? It's going to depend on the person, I think. Yeah. Within reason, obviously. Well, so, yeah, I don't know about six months. (laughs) But I think, like, so I've been a Christian for 24 years. By the time that I was an elder, I had been a Christian for 14 years. Something like that. 14 years. Yeah. And there's still stuff that I'm, every day I'm like, I'm so immature. Like spiritually, right? Theologically, well, and that doesn't disqualify. That doesn't disqualify because half the point is you you actually dealing with and addressing and repenting and dealing with those things is actually part of what you're modeling. But yeah, but yeah, it's it's difficult. I'm just saying, bring somebody in even six months. I mean, one is just how do you know the things that are necessary to teach? Uh, There's there's a lot. I mean, yeah. 
No, there's a ton. There's just a ton. I mean, it's a ton. Yeah, I right. said six months, but you guys. Don't know. <laughs> no, 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 and but I think, and I think in Titus, he doesn't actually give this requirement. So I, I think there is room for a little bit of flexibility with the new churches and stuff. But but again, I mean, overall, the goal is not to avoid requirements. It is to put forward yeah. men who are capable to teach, yeah. who are right charactered, right, and are not going to be. Twisted by Satan, yeah, to the detriment of the whole flock, right? Um, and so it's not because you, it, you know, if you say, you know, you have to be battle tested, yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. was tempted by Satan, right, and he gained the victory mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over and over again. And an elder, an overseer, is to mimic him in that in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, we will not do that perfectly. It would be above reproach, mm-hmm. though, and above reproach in some sense does does mean that we are battle tested spiritually um so that the devil is frequently walking away from us frustrated yeah and angry right um you know so again i think maybe we and we may differ on this a little bit i actually think timothy's a younger guy no oh, i, I think don't he's think younger i don't think he's i mean i don't I, mean, I think you think he's maybe 40ish no, I think he's not necessarily. Okay, no. I can't remember. I thought maybe in the chapter one you might have said that he you thought no, he was I don't a bit older. Think so. I think okay. I mean I would I'd probably put him somewhere in the late twenties, early thirties. Okay. I so, so, I'm, I'm, he's not like young yeah. like teenager, young like mm. twenty, I don't think. Right. I think he's a little bit older than that. Yeah, I, I would say he's probably in his mid to upper twenties or something like that. I, yeah, I, I'm not we don't we don't know. But he's young. He's yeah, he's, he's younger. youngish. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm just bringing that up because again, not a recent convert. But the thing about Timothy is that for the longest time, wherever Paul went, Timothy yeah, went with him. He was trained. He was right. he was battle tested. So to your yeah. point, Jonathan, yeah, maybe not six months, but I'm but I think you're you're right. It depends. It does depend mm-hmm. on the guy, right? The man, his heart, his rate of growth. Is he out there with the Apostle Paul? Right. You know, <laughs> where he could be martyred for Jesus, and he's right. out there and he's standing fast with him. Yeah, you know, like. I think I think at that point, if Timothy had come to our church, we'd have been like, uh, Timothy could probably serve as an elder. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it also yeah. has a lot to probably. say about the health <laughs> of the church in the first place. Yeah. If you have a weak church whose discipleship yeah. is not that great, it may take years yeah. Yeah. to raise up people who are qualified and capable of taking yes. on that, who have been battle tested. If you have a lot better discipleship going on, that time could be significantly reduced. Yeah. It's not going to go to zero, but it could be reduced because there's just more opportunity to engage yeah. with the truth, be proven worthy, uh, capable, not worthy is probably not the right word, but capable. Yeah. So yeah, you say that and there's a person that we all read that frequently asks in member interviews, he asks of the men, what would keep you from being an elder within five years of the in church? In five years. In yeah. five years. That says a lot about his church's discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To take somebody from which is know, great nothing about you except for membership to yeah. elder ready in five years. Still five years. But five years at with, at that church might actually be accelerated. An accelerated rate because of how healthy it is. Right, right. <laughs> right. So I'm just saying if you're not, to your point, George, like if the church isn't as healthy, it might be a great deal longer. Right. right. So, Okay. Uh, lastly then for uh, the overseer moreover he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil so recently I coach rec ball and uh, I'm pretty well known around the parts for yelling at the refs and so 
I had a ref come up to me and he was like, hey, I really like you. I like the way you coach these guys. I like the way that you, you're fiery and all this kind of stuff. He's like, but you, you need to chill out on, on the refs. Well, like It was like a dagger straight into my soul. Because I immediately thought, First Timothy 3, 7. Yeah. yeah. Right? But there are some people out there who are like, I don't really like that guy. Because he fusses at me on the sideline. Right. And so then I immediately tried to... Uh, win them back by getting them a dozen donuts the next time that I uh, I went out there. And now I don't yell at the refs anymore, just so everybody knows. So uh, I, I'm working on repentance, real yeah. active repentance in, yeah. in this area. And being uh, a good but, example. But yeah. all that aside, um, you an elder should have a good reputation. They should. In the church and among mm-hmm. outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. They should have a, a face in the church that resembles the face they have outside the church to, I mean, if, if they're being punished by, you know, if government is stepping in and putting them in jail, it should be because, well, they were sharing the gospel just like they were doing inside the church. It shouldn't yeah. be because they were acting one way mm. in and one way out. Yeah. So, yeah. I was talking to, um, uh, a Christian sister not too long ago, uh, older than us. They were looking, their church was looking for uh, going through the pastoral search process, and she was like, "Well, what questions would you ask? What questions? What questions would you ask a, a prospective pastor? You know?" <laughs> I said, "Well, really, what you well, one thing that would be good to do would be go and talk to his wife, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, and say, what do you think of your husband? Yeah, really, you know, or go to the kids. What do you think of your your father? Really." You know, a lot of times we focus here on the reputation, right? Reputation in the church. Well, we're kind of we're going to put on our best face when we're around the church most of the time. We go out there, we might still have this kind of like pastoral. You know, I know that I'm supposed to look like this out there, and so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to watch what I say and all this kind of thing. But I also think about like, what is your reputation in your home? Yeah, because again, that's where you are most you mm-hmm. usually in your home, and um, so what? What is the reputation that you have with your wife? If you have unbelieving children, they're outsiders. They're outsiders to the community of God, this household of God. Yeah, what is your reputation with them? If you ask them, if someone else asks them, what what would you say about your father? You know, what would you say about him as as a as a husband, as a dad? As a Christian, as a pastor, you know, all these kinds of things, what would they say? You know, now, if they hate Jesus, <laughs> they, they might, they might have all kinds of untrue things to say, or they might say things that say things that, and again, this is going to, this is not just in the home now, this is outsiders as well. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately it's people, it can be people inside yeah, the, church the church as well. Yeah. Right. Is that if they don't have a biblical worldview, if they don't have a good grasp on the word of God, if they don't understand what a pastor is supposed to be, they're under conviction for sin. What? <laughs> right. Right. Then, then you, this is where you get into gossip and slander and all these kinds of yeah. things. And so we want to, we want to hold the line on both sides uh, of the equation there as well. Yeah. Right. So. so we just want we want to walk with Jesus all the time. That, that, that's what a, a pastor should be walking with Christ in the church, outside of the church, in the home, wherever it is, is that we're walking faithfully there. Okay? Deacons? No? I don't know. What do you think? Should we do another time? What are we at? We're at 
5450-ish. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. We oh and, and you were you were wondering why, should we just do three one through thirteen? And I'm here <laughs> like if we don't go, we're we're not going to get to Deacons. I think we probably have gone far enough. Maybe this is best to bring up Deacons the next time. Okay, but we have to have Jonathan. Here. We do have to have Jonathan. Are you able to come back later? Not like tonight. Not like tonight. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right.